This episode is brought to you by DistroKid. When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey everyone, today's guest is Reese Roper, lead vocalist for Denver, Colorado ska punkers, Five Iron Frenzy. I've known Reese for over 25 years and it was great catching up with him. Together, we break down the writing, recording, and inspiration behind their fan-favorite single, Zen and the Art of Xenophobia, taken from their 2013 album, Engine of a Million Plots. I mentioned to Reese that I had not heard a recording from the band since their late 90s, early 2000s input, and to say I was impressed by this track is an understatement. Five Iron Frenzy has always been known as a Christian band, and the lyrics in the track, which explore themes of Christian hypocrisy and fundamentalism, are pretty vicious and to the point. Something that's been a bit polarizing to some of their fan base, but Reese felt they needed to be addressed. Bassist Scott Kerr wrote the music for the track along with trombonist Dennis Culp, and producer Jeremy S.H. Griffith brought it all together in the studio. The song sounds amazing. And Reese and I took a trip down memory lane and reminisced about touring together on the Sky Against Racism tour back a quarter century ago. What a time to be alive. For all this and a whole lot more, stay tuned. What's up, Reese? It's been a minute. Seriously, I'm so like I'm really nervous about this. <laughs> nervous? Yeah. Come on. I've been listening to your podcast. Like I've almost completed everything. Just oh, this little man. OCD where I go through the whole thing. But it was like, hey, guys, I know from bands, Less and Jake, and, and <laughs> other bands that I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know that. And then <laughs> Huey Lewis, and you know, like. Michael Sweet from Striper. I'm lumping you into good company, right? Dude, I don't belong in this company. <laughs> well, you do. You do. I've I've known you, my gosh, going on 30 years. You know, five, crazy, Iron, five Iron Frenzy formed in 1995 in Denver. And Den uh -huh. Denver was one of those places, you can attest to this, it was kind of like Southern California, Chicago, New York, Jersey, and Denver. Those were the the ska hot spots. I mean, and we came out there. I still have the flyer. Matter of fact, the flyer made it into my book that I released uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, it's from the Mercury Cafe that we played with you guys in 1996. Yeah. That was our first meeting. Dude, when we played, it was 
we were all super fanboys because we all loved your band and it was cathartic for us it was i've been thinking about this for a while since you asked me to to come on and just how formative playing with less and jake was for five iron in the fact that like we we had played in other bands you know four of us were in a band that kind of birthed five iron and it was a metal band and so everybody was just like we were in this scene where like we were a Christian metal band and everybody was cocky despite the fact that they were Christians. And so <laughs> we were like, yeah, this isn't us. You know, like we we're goofy. Let's play music. We like, which ended up being ska. And then we played with you guys and saw how you treated your fans and just how you treated the opening bands and how you were to each other, to everyone. Just, it blew our minds just how kind you were and how thoughtful changed us oh man you're, you're getting me all warm and fuzzy here reese and i i <laughs> I, I, I appreciate that because we we tried to be all inclusive you know like um i remember hearing and it was almost like within the punk community which was supposed to be uh all in you know all inclusive like you know anything goes it's where we're the freaks and everyone meet to uh uh, to be one. And uh, there was a lot of closed-minded people. I remember hearing that, uh, oh, they're, they're a Christian band. I'm like, okay. Um, you know, I was just backstage making, you know, armpit fart noises with Reese and we were hanging out and laughing and joking. And, you know, we never really thought about that kind of stuff. And, and for me growing up, uh, I listened to everything from from Slayer to Striper and everything in between. Yeah. So hearing a band was Christian, it, it, it didn't really, uh, you know, but it, it was looked upon and you can, I'm sure you can attest to this. Uh, it was, it's kind of a blessing and a curse. I've talked to Mike Herrera about this before. Uh, you know, they had a lot of Christian leanings early on as a band and uh, mm -hmm. it, it can be great. You can have this huge Christian fan base that some of those folks are close-minded and might not give a band like Less Than Jake a chance. I've seen that too. But you you guys were just a, a, another band that, that we rolled with and, and we, we loved you from day one. Yeah, very close-minded. I think uh, like MXPX was good in the fact that they were able to break away from that. Whereas I think we weren't smart enough to do that. You know, it was somewhat lucrative to stay in just the Christian industry. You could play churches and and make so much more than you would make playing clubs and, you know, cushy, you know, some, some grandma is making dinner for you, you know, for the whole band and, and, you know, they're bringing it to the shows and everybody's nice to you. And, and uh, you know, that you stay at a hotel, you each get a, a bed, which didn't happen, you know, to a lot of, yeah. a lot of bands we toured with. And so we tried to split the fence, you know, like just try to be in, in the middle where we'd play club shows and then go play the Christian shows and churches, which sucked, you know, like the sound was always bad. You always felt like people were there because it kind of made them feel safe mm -hmm. where they, they weren't, uh, you know, they weren't coming see us open for you guys down at the, you know, Mammoth Event Center or something. Sure. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, like, I think MXPX, and this is funny. I remember having a conversation with Mike and Tom at the Mercury Cafe. It was another one of those shows that that guy, Dan Steinberg, that brought you guys to yep. play with us mm -hmm. a bunch. So he put on a show with this band called Tonut Headlining, and then it was us and MXPX. And I'm sure we were at the bottom but MXPX, I remember them pulling us aside and being like, hey, do you guys 
do this a lot? Do you play with secular bands? And we're like, yeah, all the time. <laughs> and, they, and then it was like they ran with that. They were just like, we got to get off our label and <laughs> start doing this. That was cool for them. Yeah, no. And, and I've talked to bands in, in the Christian scene. They, they've echoed everything that you said. I mean, you get to play places that uh, other bands wouldn't play, as you're talking about. You have the the uh, little old lady making you a nice meal backstage. And uh, I guess yeah. one allure about that is, is is way less drunk, obnoxious people at those shows. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I appreciate that now. It's, I don't know if we we had it that bad even back in the day, but like now everybody's got kids, you know, they're not getting too drunk. They've got to go home and pay the babysitter, <laughs> you know, the people that are coming to the shows. Well, fast forward a, a quick two years after we first played with you, uh, found ourselves uh, less than two years, found ourselves on the Sky Against Racism tour in spring yeah. of 98, April of 1998. And that was, of course, with Less Than Jake, The Toasters, Five Iron Frenzy, Blue Meanies, Mustard Plug, Kamuri, MU330, and Mike Park. And man, what yeah. what a time, right? Best tour I've ever been on. It was so cool. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, Sky was blowing up in 97, mm-hmm. 98. It was just the time. Uh, and we, we, we took a, a good section of, of the bands that were, were doing well and, and went out on the road together. And I, again, I just remember, if someone were to ask me about that time period, what's the one thing that stands? I just remember laughing all the time. I, I just had a, I, I probably had a smile on my face the whole time we, we did that run. It was so fun. And you, you guys were huge. You know, you headlined it. You had just signed your deal with Capital, And I think Losing Streak was maybe out or had just come out. Yeah. Losing Streak was out. We, we weren't recording Hello Rock View till at, right after Sky Against Racism, May of 98. We went into pre-production for that record. Yeah. It was so cool, man. It was, like all the bands. Well, something that I've always enjoyed about your band is that Yes, you were in the Christian music community, but you never looked down on people uh, and you certainly called out Christians for hypocrisy, fundamentalism, uh, injustices done to Native Americans, faith-based criticisms of capitalism, consumerism, nationalism, racism. And, and the song we're going to talk about today, uh, Zen and the Art of, is it xenophobia or xenophobia? <laughs> I think that, That's the big question. People usually pronounce it xenophobia, but I've heard it pronounced xenophobia and for the sake of this song i was like we're gonna do it this way remember uh they used to call magazines uh zines back in the day uh-huh so this could have yeah. been this could have been zine and the art of xenophobia but uh yes yeah, we're gonna we're gonna say xenophobia because uh, could have been that's how that, that's how you sing it but but this song in particular what kind of reaction did you get from your fan base when you re- released a song like this uh, so part of it was we officially broke up in 2003. This is what's crazy about Five Iron is that there were basically in the Christian market, there were two other big ska bands, the Insiders and the Supertones. And those guys, they had managers, they they had bigger record labels behind them. They would charge more for shows. Whereas we came up, you know, like from, from the punk scene in Denver and we were like, we want to vote on it. If any show is going to cost... This is from you guys, by the way, like this this kind of compassion and just having like these scruples about treating our fans right. We got from you guys. Thank you. But like we just were like, hey, we can't charge more than 10 bucks for a, uh, you know, for a show. And we had signed with this just teeny label that got us, you know, they, they were out of Concord, California, but 
they got us distribution on Warner and then later EMI. Okay. So we had good distribution and these dudes, you know, like they, they were just like very upfront about like the simplicity of Christianity that, you know, like if, if God is real, you should just be able to talk to him. And all he requires is that you love him and love others. So do that. You know, it was called five minute walk. And we're like, yeah, we, we can get behind that. Like that is the gist of, of the gospel. So we did that. And then these guys always had tours where we had to collect something. We would collect clothes for the homeless or cans of soup, et cetera, and give them to homeless shelters. Like we'd build a tour around that. And then, you know, then guys in the band started getting married and we had a small salary. It was $1,156 and 66 cents. So after taxes, before taxes, it was 18,000 a year after taxes, you know, that's just it, probably about 13,000 a year. And you still, we still would somehow end up owing, <laughs> but you know, like you'd, you'd go on tour, you'd be gone like nine months of the year. And these dudes that were getting married, their wives are like, you're not doing this anymore. Mm-hmm. So we, we kind of saw that ending and just said, okay, let's, let's break up before we hate each other or we're replacing members. Well, yeah. That hiatus was around 2003, and then you reunited in, in 2011. Uh, you launched a Kickstarter, which did yes. did really, really well. And then yeah. uh, the album, Engine of a Million Plots, which Zen and the Art of Xenophobia is, uh, is on, that was released in November of 2013. So uh, right. by, by that point, you, you kind of, uh, um, maybe people's marriages has kind of settled in. You've you grown up a little bit, and you're trying to figure out what the next uh, phase of the band is. Yeah. Well, and, and we had like not really decided to tour at that point. We just, we, we made the album got back together by mistake. You know, the, the guy that we had given the license to some fan to run our website was going to rebuild it. And so he, he started a countdown and we had just come out with a DVD that I put together was like, it's, it's hard to watch. It's like three hours long, but Mike Park put it out on Asian man. And for the listeners, uh, if you want, if you want to check that out, it's called the rise and fall of five iron frenzy that, uh, that you're speaking of. Yeah. It should be the fall and fall of five. Iron frenzy, <laughs> well, so let's, <laughs> let's talk about this song. Okay. Was, was this something written specifically for the record engine of a million plots? Did you have this uh, held over from the early days or was this written fresh? No, it was written fresh and Scott and I are still, so Scott was originally, you know, the guitar player and main songwriter when we toured with you guys. Who plays bass now. Yeah. Yeah. So he came back and he is taking Keith's place, but he still writes most of the stuff. And I noticed that the trombonist Dennis Culp is also credited on this track. Yeah. I don't know if he wrote more than the horn lines. I think he probably tweaked with the the bridge on it so do you remember when when scott brought the riff or the the actual song to you and were you guys demoing by this point did you have kind of home studio setups yeah so scott and i have pretty intense home studios scott he he recorded most of our last album at his home studio so he would i don't want to say this in a negative way this is one of the things i love about scott but it's it can be frustrating he's very controlling so he he wants to finish the song and hand it to you and you do it. So in that hiatus where he had quit the band and we had broken up, he had done a couple other projects and realized what was missing. You know, they'd play shows and no one would come or, or they'd be very 
poorly attended and he was like, what's missing is this Reese singing or Reese's lyrics or the character of the other people or horns or, you know, like whatever five iron was bringing he missed. So man, you know, hardworking blue collar punk rock bands. It's like, we're a sum of our parts. I I've never been confused about that. You know, I, I know I'm a good songwriter and, and, and uh, a performer, but without my band, <laughs> I've gone out and played solo yeah. shows, man. It's like, it's, it's very, very difficult. You know, I've always it's marveled not the at, same. No, I've marveled at those people that can go outside of their bands and become even bigger. Uh, something special with that. Yeah. So he, yeah, at the beginning and we've, we've kind of adapted this over time, you know, we just put out a new album and, and it's gotten better, but like at the beginning of, of that album writing, he would just hand me songs and he'd be like, yeah, you could change the words if you want. And he writes really abstract lyrics. Sometimes they're just placeholder lyrics. So I basically took what he had written and I'll send it to you. Um, it was called, if you say so, you have the demo, I'll send it to you. Oh, we'd love to hear it. That'd be great. Cool. Yeah, yeah. It's basically him singing his lyrics over it with fake horns and fake drums and him playing all the other parts. And real quick, before we get into the song, Reese, um, yeah. it was produced, uh, Scott uh, produced it along with Jeremy S.H. Griffith, which yeah. uh, I was unfamiliar with him. I looked up his discography. He's produced everyone from Norma Jean to Anthony Green, a bunch of pop stuff. How did you get hooked up with him and where did he come in, in the process? This is crazy. So Jeremy's a ninja, man. So in the off time, when, when we tried to become, you know, gainfully employed so that our wives would love us. More, adults. Um, yeah. We became adults. <laughs> We're living out of a van anymore and eating, <laughs> driving through McDonald's drive through three times a day. Okay. I get it. Yeah, I still do that. No. <laughs> <laughs> so Dennis, he, like towards the tail end of, of fire and he got in with these dudes that one of the guys was in like a kind of like this alt rock rap band that was on our label and um they started a company he and an, and another guy started this company that makes music for commercials it's called singing serpent they've done really well and then dennis is he married a girl from from jersey and she was like hey i want to move back there so he talked these dudes into starting a new york office so it's it's like in soho Dude, this this studio that they were renting out, it was where like Bob Dylan recorded freaking uh, gosh, Amy Winehouse recorded her last album there. Uh, the Rolling Stones, there's like pictures of them doing drugs on the roof. Well, this, 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 this record sounds awesome. I mean, initially, oh, yeah. initially when I told you we want to talk about the song, you're like, well, we got a new record out and, and it, 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 sound, it sounds better. And, and of course, as performers, you're, you know, your newest stuff is what you're excited about. And yeah, maybe sonically you think it sounds better, <laughs> but this record sonic, this, this song sonically rips, man. I was, Thanks, I, man. I hadn't heard the song and, uh, 
uh, my producer Chris had said this is the one we should do and I checked it out and you know the last recordings I had heard from your band were back in the day and this is just leaps, yeah. leaps and bounds beat. leaps and bounds on, it's like a different I couldn't believe how heavy it was it was great yeah now Jeremy is so good yeah I totally when you you were like do this one and I was like does it matter? We don't have any hits. <laughs> like, well, I, I, I would. Ar- what song do you pick? <laughs> I would, I would argue that this is definitely a fan favorite of your band. I looked at the comments uh, on YouTube; oh, they're man. amazing. The uh, people, your fans, love this song, and and I want to get into the song now. It's three minutes and fourteen seconds. Uh, the first two seconds are are this soothing, almost violin-sounding volume swells on the guitar. It's mm-hmm. kind of panned right and left. Then the drums and bass kick in at the three-second mark. That feedback is still present. And then there's eight bars of that, followed by eight more bars of the drums, bass, and guitar. The guitar's doing kind of like this cool surf rock type uh, uh, riff, and then the horns are there. Uh, Before we get into uh, verse number one, the bass tone here is ripping. It sounds so good. Up to this point, was that how the song was presented to you by Scott, that that whole intro? Yeah. I think like Jeremy was pretty hands-off about most stuff, except he used to be a singer, so he would be very good at layering harmonies and stuff on there. So like on the on the bridge, a lot of that is Jeremy, but mostly he just took what Scott gave him and made it sound better because he's amazing at mixing. Well, that's another interesting thing about this song. There's a lot of backup harmony stuff, oohs and ahs that we're going to get into, mm-hmm. but there's no real harmonies on the lead vocal. I found that really interesting because they're all over <laughs> the place and they sound... No, it's, it's cool, though. I think that if they would have been on the lead vocals, it would have taken away from the layering of what you were doing in those other sections. I want to climb into verse one now. Before I read these, you know, I think this whole thing before the chorus is a verse, but halfway through, I'm calling it a pre-chorus. Would you agree with that? Um, yes. Okay. The melody, the melody changes. The lyrics aren't the same on pre-chorus too, but uh, the melody changes and the whole feel of the music and the band changes on that part. So, okay. So I'm just going to read up to what I'm calling verse one. Cling to your God and guns. The banjos playing hot cross buns. Bucket seats set to recline. No need to cross the county line. What are you saying there? Well, so this is uh, this is my first. I don't know if it's my first foray, but I started being a little more heavy-handed on my critique of Christianity of of the evangelical church and just their behavior. So that was what was on my mind at the point when I was writing it, I just had moved to Virginia. My ex is from here. And so we moved out here to be closer to her uh, family. And so um, if someone were to hand me these lyrics and tell, tell me it's a new propaganda song, I would have believed them. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, it, 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 doesn't, you. it doesn't sound like it comes from a, a, a Christian band. Man, that makes me feel good. <laughs> yeah. 
No, I, I just, I mean, there was some, some kickback from guys in the band, but mostly it was just like, okay, we'll let Reese say something. And this sounds political, but it shouldn't be, you know, it's just like, it's talking about fear mongering and how it shouldn't be a thing, but like Christianity is all about that right now. Mm -hmm. So the line cling to your God and guns came from a quote from Barack Obama when he was running for president. He was talking about people in middle America and how they cling to their God and guns instead of rationality. And, and I was like, this is a good line to start this with, okay. you know, really ruffle some feathers. I don't think people really got that it was a Barack Obama quote. But. I don't know if I've ever seen a lyric of anybody that's used hot cross buns. Uh, that was a, that, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's impressive. <laughs> my, little, my little dig at the South like, yeah. of banjos playing hot cross buns. It made, it, it made, something simple. It made me giggle. Well, on this verse one, the drums and bass are holding down the rhythm uh, with the mm -hmm. bass playing these eighth notes uh, and the guitar is playing the eighth, eighth notes along with it uh, and kind of meandering off in, in, in sections. Uh, and then we get into pre-chorus one and uh, the drums go to a kick, snare and floor tom beat. Kind of breaks down here for the pre-chorus, uh, but it gets heavy. The guitar goes to a new single note rhythm that's panned off right and uh i believe it's a chorusy like guitar effect off left but it almost sounds like horn swells is that just guitars i don't remember so i we segmented the recording of it. And I think like Dennis would go back in afterwards and tweak with it. Okay. Cause it's funny pre-chorus too, which we'll get to in a little bit. It definitely sounds like a guitar there. There's no ambiguity with me thinking it's horns there, but uh, we'll, we'll get to that. Could be. Well, uh, I'm going to read these lyrics and have you uh, talk about these. Uh, this is pre-chorus one. Are the Arabs closing ranks about to roll some Russian tanks, shut the doors and save the kids lock and load just like Jesus did. <laughs> so, so at the time, this fear mongering was continuing. And I think it was before the Russians invaded Chechnya. So there was no real reason to be talking about the Russians and how powerful they were and how scary they were. Now I'm a little bit embarrassed about this lyric just because I, I think they're, you know, what they're doing in, in, Ukraine is terrifying, but just this kind of, you know, xenophobia or xenophobia, however you want to say it, <laughs> that is inherent in America, but like, especially in Christianity and does not belong in a culture that should be about love and not fear. Mm -hmm. So I'm just kind of pointing, pointing that out. Hey everybody, we got a lot more with Five Iron Frenzy's Reese Roper after a few words from our sponsors, so don't go anywhere. Looking to elevate your music career? DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that enables musicians to distribute their music to online stores and streaming platforms such as Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Tidal, and many more. DistroKid collects earnings and payments, sending them to you, the artist. With DistroKid, artists unlock a world of possibilities. From easily paying collaborators with splits, to securing your music with DistroLock, 
DistroKid covers all bases. Plus, you can promote your releases with HyperFollow and create eye-catching visuals with the Spotify Canvas Generator, all for free. But that's not all. Introducing the DistroKid app, now available on iOS and Android. Artists can manage their releases, view streaming stats, and withdraw earnings, all from the palm of their hand. And for those looking to perfect their sound, check out Mixia. With its simple interface and customizable mastering options, artists can make their music sound polished and professional within minutes. And don't forget about Instant Share, DistroKid's newest feature. Share large files securely with collaborators, producers, and more, ensuring your music streams at the highest quality. Ready to take your music to the next level? Download the DistroKid app and explore their suite of tools today. Plus, listeners can enjoy 30% off their first year by visiting distrokid.com slash VIP slash Demakes. That's distrokid.com slash VIP slash Demakes. What's up, everybody? I'm Johnny Christ from Avenged Sevenfold, and I've got the podcast for you. It's called Drinks with Johnny, where I sit down with some of my contemporaries in the music industry, like Robert Trujillo of Metallica, Shavo Dijian of System of a Down, so many more punk rock legends like Fat Mike and Jay Bentley, and all their people of all different walks of life. I get to sit down and give you perspective and an inside look into their lives. So go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere you get your podcasts right now. And now, back to the show. The drums, like I said here, go to that breakdown part. And I just I just love how everything kind of uh, changes feel here before we get into chorus one. And this is when everything just lifts. The big stereo, distorted guitars playing chords come in here. Uh, there's no harmony on the main vocals, but there are these ooh-ooh-ah. Ooh, <laughs> ooh, ooh, almost like a, it's not like a monkey. Uh, ooh, ooh, vocal backing vocals with harmonies mm-hmm. happening underneath the lead vocal. It's it's kind of eerie sounding almost. It's really cool sounding, and there's horn pads filling out the rest. Uh, uh, back, they're kind of pan back in the mix. United States of amnesia, make us numb, make it dumb, anesthesia, cut the cord, close the door, we don't know ya, it's the zen and the art of xenophobia, and on xenophobia, there's a great drum fill that takes us back into the reintro, it's such a, such a, <laughs> such a cool little fill, but uh, what what, do you, what are you saying here, Reese? I heard this on like an op, op-ed piece on NPR, this guy was talking about how how apt we are as Americans to forget the past. And it just, it, it was about how we're treating immigrants and, and the fact that we're a nation of immigrants and that we're xenophobic. So I was like, man, I got to steal that. I've, I've got like a going list in my phone or it'll be on my computer. It used to be a notebook that I just call lightning. And I just open this thing up. If I hear something, a word or a phrase that I want to go in a song or that can inspire me, I'll just throw that in there. And I remember that, you know, little piece from this guy's op-ed where he said, the United States of amnesia. 
So it was right before then, right before 2013. And do you recall if you had demoed this song with these lyrics or, or were you still finishing up uh, the lyrics when you were in the studio cutting the track? There's always a little bit of tweaking mm-hmm. with me while you're cutting, but we're getting better at demoing stuff, like getting it nailed down so you're not in the studio. Just like, I think this should be this because it wastes money, you know, and it, and it's also you end up getting you know, not what you want. If you can make it sound as good as you can on a demo and then try and cut that. So we did. I think we demoed it almost perfectly. And for the listeners, I think uh, I, I can speak for you, Reese, what you're saying here. And I've had this happen. I've, I've sung something on a demo for six months and maybe even played the song live or in rehearsal. And then finally, I'm up in front of the mic and and Roger or someone on the control room will be like, uh, hey, you should change that note on that or, or change that word <sighs> there. I'm like, why? I've been singing like that for six months. And it's just like, no, it, it would rhyme better or be better. You just do it off the cuff. And that's that's what it ends up being. And then most of the time I go back a year later and be like, I can't believe I used to say the other thing. Thank you know, thank God we didn't put that there, you know. So th- th- those things do happen uh, under the microscope of the studio. It's so hard, though, sometimes when you get it in your head a yeah. certain way on a demo and then somebody's like, let's not do that. And you just keep... <laughs> Yeah, no. That same note or that same word. It's the it's the go-to, you know. There's been times yeah. when I've had to have Roger put a piano note in my left speaker in my ear so I can hear the note because I just have been singing it a certain way for so long. And I pride myself yeah. on, I, I think I have a pretty good ear, but man, you just, you like you said, you get it stuck in your head. Um, coming out of chorus one, there's an eight-bar re-intro. It's the same as the top of the song. Then we're into verse two. I love this verse too. At first I was like, why does this feel different? There's no guitar here. It's just drums and bass. The guitar from the first verse is not there. And it, it kind of just uh, adds this kind of like more personal feeling. I think with the lyrics, there's no guitar in the verse, uh, but that kick snare and floor Tom beat comes back in for pre-chorus too. So it's a straight beat for the verse, uh, no guitar here. And the, the lyric is let's keep them separate. Melanin just can't succeed. Give me liberty or something. It's better if you just don't read. What is melanin? So melanin is the molecule that gives people brown coloring. Okay, skin tone. Yeah. So I was thinking, originally the line was, it's fair and balanced. It trickles down guaranteed. Give me liberty or give me something. It's better if you just don't read. I was told to change it because it was too offensive I ran it by a couple of people and maybe Dennis, like Dennis is the, it's funny because I'm like the far left in our band and he's somewhere right of middle. So it's fair and balanced is like what Fox news was saying at the time. (laughs) And it it trickles down is like just digging at Republican economic policy. So then I was like, well, cool. I'll just point out racism. I was trying to do it as subtly as possible. It does sound a bit awkward to me when you're reading it. I'm like, Ugh. you know how many times people have said that to me on the show? Cause yeah, it is weird. I've never had anybody read my lyrics to me. It'd be very strange, yeah. very strange. Yeah. So um, just this, this idea, this is what I tell my kids when, you know, like when they become aware that, 
people have different skin tones. First of all, I tell them that they're a mutation and that, <laughs> um, you know, every, everybody, unless you are an albino, you have the same amount of melanin in your skin. You just have this mutation that makes you have smaller or larger. You should have larger molecules, but we have smaller as Caucasians and it's a mutation, you know, like it shouldn't be a, a designation of economic status, which we have kind of adapted as a society. We're still digging out of, but like, I just wanted to point that out. I guess when I, when I was told I couldn't make fun of Fox news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was a fork in the road. You had to go somewhere and this is where you went with it. I, I, I like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, pre-chorus to the guitar lick is panned off left. And it definitely sounds like a guitar here. It doesn't sound like horns. Okay. Um, this is the, I think you're right that it's guitar. Okay. Okay. Well, well, uh, this is the only guitar here as the riffy guitar from pre-chorus one is absent. So still the bass and, and drums are all that's going between verse two and pre-chorus two, except for that guitar uh, lick that's panned off left. But there are horn swells here happening that uh, fill, fill the rest of this out. And I uh, love that the horns come in here. They're not there on pre-chorus one, but the, the horns are here for pre-chorus two. They sound great. Crank your faces up to Crank your phasers up to slaughter. Turn your wine back into water. When you play this song, Al-Qaeda wins and Jesus was American. Were you trying to piss people off? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I, I mean, like, yeah, the, the first, you know, the first uh, verse ends with lock and load, just like Jesus did. And this is just me kind of digging that in, like just people and their misconceptions of Jesus that he's, he was, you know, like he'd be okay with them hoarding guns or that he's an American, you know? And so the line I don't like is let's crank our phasers up to slaughter. But I had, I had the phrase, let's turn our wine back into water or turn this wine back into water. And I needed that in there. So I was like, what rhymes with water that would fit here about, you know, like somehow make it be about turning to violence. And um, I don't know. I just, Again, I'm taking a dig at the church because I think that often church is about being good to the point where they ignore the fact that the first miracle of Christ was to turn water into wine. Well, and I, when I said a moment ago that uh, were you trying to tick people off, I, what I was really getting at was was your fan base. Because again, there there was some comments on YouTube that you know that this song. Uh, uh, it definitely is a fan favorite, but it, it was a little polarizing. I'm sure you. I'm oh sure, yeah. I'm sure you heard uh, heard an earful. Yeah, you should hear what they say about our new album. They wanna they wanna murder me. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're gonna crank up their phases to the slaughter with you. Yes, <laughs> it's. I mean, I think in that time off, I was just like, you know, what I regret was not speaking the truth. You know, like holding back this stuff like people need to hear this i think people who don't believe in jesus need to know that here's this outlier of a band that has never succeeded in in either market but we're here and we're like a voice of reason in that so we're not you know like we're not preaching all the bullshit that comes with the church we're trying to show people 
we're angry about that and that what we believe is is love you know yeah i've I, i've i've always said it there's there's bad people uh, all around the earth of, of different faiths of different <laughs> races it, it's uh you can't put a blanket statement on, on everything um no. chorus two uh is a double chorus uh the second half here the bass does a killer descending run for the whole second half that changes the whole mood while adding tension uh, to this part. It is, it is killer. That part's awesome. Yeah, this is what happens when your old guitar player is writing bass parts. He's like, <laughs> yeah. welcome to my life with Roger. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How many notes can I cram in eight bars? I'll find out. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so I think he had that in the demo and it was super cool. Like That part's um, great, man. That really yeah. just like, yeah, it's a double chorus, but the whole back half feels different because of that. The lyric is the same both times, uh, just repeated there. Uh, but like I said, that that back half is killer. Then we get into probably my favorite part of the song. You know, a lot I, of ooze. The, the, yeah, a lot, a lot of ooze coming up. But this this guitar solo, it's got this dissonant. It, it reminds me of, of of something like hot water music uh, would do. This guitar solo, it's kind of it's just it's it's a really cool part. Uh, it's for eight bars. The second eight bars of it, the horns come in pretty loud with the guitar solo still. <laughs> This is followed by another eight bar bridge that happens. And there's these, uh, I wrote the uh, na 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 <laughs> kind of backing vocals, but there's these woo oohs that are intertwining with it. Backing mm -hmm. There's a lot of vocals here that it's kind of haunting in this part. Again, I'm going to ask, was that part of the demo or was this being created in the studio? Because that's a pretty, pretty intricate part. Some of it was. And I think some of that was Jeremy's input. He's good at coming up with harmonies. And, and throughout that whole album, there would just be parts where we'd be like, I don't know what we're going to do for this bridge. And then he would save it. I feel like I can hear Leonore in there. She's singing, right? Yeah. Okay, I can hear her. Almost everybody is singing on that. Which, you know, by the way, I didn't know her name was Leonore till probably three years <laughs> he ago. Thought it was I, Jeff. I, I, 
I thought it was Jeff. We, we called her Jeff the girl, yeah. and I found out that uh, she was, I believe, Jeff in a high school play at one point. It kind of stuck or uh-huh. something. So, uh, Leonore, if you're listening, hi, love you. Which I actually called her this morning and spoke with oh, her. That's so awesome. It was, it, it, it was good, good to hear her voice. But uh, yeah, this this bridge part, those all those inner workings of the backing vocals are kind of haunting. Um, the kick, drums, and bass are all here, but there's a phaser guitar uh, off to the left, like a phaser. That that guitar tone's really cool. <laughs> I want to say that Scott, like Scott, had figured out all the tones he wanted on this. I don't want to steal from Jeremy if he if he did come up with that tone, but like Scott had handed out just like an almost finished demo of this. There's just a little bit of frosting that got put on it. Leading into uh, chorus number three, which is, again, a double chorus, but the chord progression changes here. Uh-huh. It's it's this minor tension, and your melody line completely changes. It's like, <laughs> wow. What I love about the way the chorus builds in this song, you get chorus one, that's just kind of the, the, the regular chorus. Chorus two is a double chorus, but on the back half, that bass just changed the, changes the whole feeling, as I mentioned. Now... It's a it's a double chorus again, same lyrics, but your melody is probably fifty percent different here. Yeah, and the chord uh, underneath changes. It's so cool. Again, from the demo or something you, you said, hey, we got to change this uh, in the studio. No, it was it was that way on the demo. When I demoed it, I didn't catch that. And so I was trying to sing it the same. So then when I got to the studio, both Scott and Jeremy are like, no, no, you got the wrong notes, dude. So they they made it harder for me to sing live is what they did. <laughs> It's like well, on the fir- on the, <laughs> unlike the first on the first two lines here before you get to anesthesia, which you change the melody on that word. The first two lines, it's like it almost sounds wrong. You're singing the same melody line, but the chords are changed. Like whoa! But it's this tension. I really yeah. think it's 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 really cool. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's cool. I've heard you talk a lot on your show about how as we age, it becomes harder and harder to sing these old songs. And I think it's funny because when we were making this album, Scott kind of went apeshit with this idea that I had a like a really high range. So he was just like, could you hit this note? Okay. What about this? <laughs> How one? about this one? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. I haven't sung. We haven't played for two years because of COVID. So I'm somewhat worried i can't hit those notes at all but i did have a six octave range then 
Well, I always used to laugh every time Roger would go to hit a high note. I'm not even kidding. And he does it to this day. He stands on his tippy toes. It's like, <laughs> does, does that really help you hit a high note? And I, I, I don't know if it's psychosomatic or what. You, you watch him. He goes on his tippy toes. He hits the high notes. It kills me every time. But I even wrote in the notes here uh, that uh, the vocal melody changes. The backing vocals are now doing minor keypads here. So the backing uh. vocals even change, which is just, it just adds to that tension. It's just, it's, it's really, really, really neat. Um, and this further builds on that tension that first surfaced on the back of chorus two, which I mentioned a moment ago with that descending bass part. Um, and then the song just basically ends with uh, the whole band. You're saying it's the Zen and the art of xenophobia, which you hold that last note out, which you haven't done in the rest of the song. And, and the song comes to, uh, to an end. When you finally heard the mix back of this song uh, and it, it all come together, what was your initial thoughts on it? We immediately were like, this is one of the singles. Not that we have singles, you know, <laughs> like, well, you single meaning it's something you're going to release. Maybe want to put a video, which by the way, to the listeners, check out the video. The costuming is great. Okay. You guys, it, it's, it's, it's so cool. And all the things I said at the top, you know, you, the injustice is done to native Americans, uh, criticisms of capitalism. Everything is in this video. You guys threw in the kitchen sink. Yeah, we did. The video is funny because we had tons of people just come out of the woodwork when we came back together. They're like, established video makers or filmmakers. And they're like, Hey, can I do a video for you guys? You were my favorite band when I was in junior high. So we picked a couple and we're like, Hey, this is, this is our pitch to you. We're going to play a show and you're going to record it and make a live video. And that's going to pay for this other video. So that was the one that got paid for. <laughs> and they were like, do you have any ideas? And I, and I was like, what if we made it like a high school play, but it's just, super offensive like it's a history play and just super offensive and everybody hates it and so you know like i remember running around to pick up all the costumes that morning to costume shops in denver and then we just did it at brad our trumpet player's old high school oh wow pretty crazy yeah we were just like backstage like hey that wig would look good with this put it on (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, like I said, for the listeners, check out the video for this song. It, it is really cool. And uh, before we wrap up, Reese, uh, anything else you'd like to leave the listeners with? What you got going on? Uh, yourself? Are you still doing Roper, your side Oh, band? man. No. There's always talk about doing a second album, but that whole thing came out of me trying to, like the old label that we were on, 5-Minute Walk, was trying to break a band into the general market. So they named it Roper to save advertising money. And then we just weren't into it. You know, it was too soon after five iron quit. So I've got a new wave project I've been working on for like 10 years. It's called heart wrench. Five iron has new album out. It is called until this shakes apart. And I think it's our best stuff. Um, I have a a podcast I do with Joe Yerke, who's the singer of one of the other Christian Scott bands, the insiders. And that is called Joe and Reese's pickle and boot shop. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh that's uh different. I'll have to, I'll have to check that out. It's 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 different. I don't know. It's Okay. Yeah, and uh that yeah, that's about it. Gotcha. Well, uh hopefully we can do some shows together with you again. I I'd, I'd love that. Absolutely. All right, man. Well, hey, thanks for thanks for sitting in with us today. Appreciate it. I'm so honored. I'm so glad to talk to you, Chris. It's so good. There's lots more Chris to Makes a podcast after a few words from our sponsors. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. 
Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. Hey, everybody. If you like Chris to Makes a Podcast, I'm going to assume that you like music podcasts. And if you like music podcasts, check out One Hit Thunder. Each week, we dive into a one-hit wonder, and along the way, we gain some knowledge and have some laughs. Lou Bega, Crazy Town, Harvey Danger, The New Radicals, AHA. We're over 100 episodes in now, and to paraphrase the great Matthew Wilder, nothing's going to break our stride. Subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. As we near the end of the show, here's a band you might not know. Welcome to this week's Band You Might Not Know. If you'd like your band to be considered for Chris to Makes a Podcast, all you have to do is email your best song via MP3 only and bio to bandyoumightnotknow at gmail.com. This week's featured artist is the Dutch Rudders from Belgium, consisting of Luke on guitar and vocals, Ward on bass and vocals, Dries on the guitar, and Kim on drums and vocals. Check out their Bandcamp page for all their stuff and look for their new full-length album coming in September of 2022. Here's a snippet of their song, Big Worthless Nothing. The Rap with Chris and Chris. Well, Chris, now I've met two members of Five Iron Frenzy, Reese and Leonor, and I don't know, man, I think these might be the sweetest people ever. I feel like I'm friends with them, even though I've talked to, to them only a handful of times. I think they're awesome. No, they've they've never changed, and I mean that in a great way. They were, they're the same sweet kids I met back in 1996. They were always fun. In the early days, we Les and Jake, you know, we, we like to bust, we still do, like to bust people's balls and give them crap. And there really wasn't anything to give them crap about, you know, like for flying the flag for Christianity. I never felt like they were pushing things down people's throats. They they just were sweet kids. They lived their life. Uh, they, they, they had, uh, you know, uh, b- a belief in faith and, and, and they carried that with them, but they were just, uh, they were another band, man. They, they used to, we used to laugh so much with them. As I said, that Scott Against Racism tour was, was great. I loved, which I'm sure you did too, hearing the impression that Less Than Jake made on Five Iron Frenzy. Yeah, that was, you know, it's, it's, it's really nice to hear. And, and a lot of bands have said that to us. It's probably one of the greatest compliments that, that uh, you could have as a band is that you treated people kindly. Uh, and, and, and we always tried our best. You know, he, he had mentioned something about, you know, we they kind of had this thing where they wanted to keep their prices low. And, and for us, like, we didn't want to gouge people, but it, it had more so to do with the fact that we we just wanted to play to more people we wanted more people to be at the party you know if you're going to charge 15 bucks for a ticket you know you're only going to have 100 people there then well, what if we charged eight bucks for a ticket well you're going to have 250 people there and that was that was the thinking Plus, you locked yourselves in once you sang that lyric about it. Yeah. You, <laughs> yeah, you couldn't go back after that. <laughs> the 
Well, you know, the, the days of selling $5 t-shirts and, and, and uh, losing money on them for us are, are kind of over. You can't uh, can't sell a $5 t-shirt. We, we still try to keep it reasonable. Yeah, I think you guys keep it reasonable. Uh, I laughed when you said that if someone gave you the lyrics to this song, that you, you would think they might be propaganda. <laughs> Because, because you're right. <laughs> yeah, I. It's is this is pretty. Like I said, polarizing for a Christian band to write about this stuff. And 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 Reese even mentioned it. You know, he had he had said, yeah, it's. Uh, they they had to to hear stuff, but but he's calling it out because he cares. He's able to say, yes, I I, I, I still consider myself a Christian. I I have these beliefs, but uh, I can also call out people uh, that hide under the guise of being Christian for doing unChristian things. Yeah, absolutely. I think when it comes to Christians, and this is coming from a a non-religious person, but I'm sure that Five Iron Frenzy and other people I know who are good people but just happen to be religious would attest to this, that the worst Christians end up being the loudest ones. I kind of had mentioned uh, something along those lines in the episode. It's like, yeah, you know, it's uh, there. There's uh, there's nice people all over the earth, and there's there's pockets full of bad people of of every race and nationality and and uh, faith and and everything else. So you can't just uh, have a blanket uh, statement for for all of that. I, I really like the fact that. They're aware of it, but he can still kind of laugh at it and be like, yeah, I don't care if these people don't like it, you know, if they don't like what I'm saying. This is this is how I feel. And um, yeah, the, the the song, I could not believe I hadn't listened to Five Iron Frenzy tracks since back in the late 90s, early 2000s, the stuff they were putting out then. And just what a difference. And I think that hiatus from 2003 to 2011 uh, I, th- I think it, it did them good. They kind of, it sounds like they kind of had to break apart. They were, they were trying to make a living as a band. It's very difficult as anybody out there knows it's in a band. It's you bleed money. The minute you hit the gas pedal, it's just, you're, you're hemorrhaging money. It's hard to make money as a band. They tried hard. They had to, they had to break apart. And when they got back together, it seems like they're having more fun now than they ever had in their career. Check out the video. Like I said, <laughs> if that, if that isn't a fun video, uh, then I don't know. I don't know what is, you know, they're, they're having a good time. They're able to still have their uh, their lives and, and, and do their, their uh, uh, you know, day nine to five jobs, but they're able to do the band now. And, and it looks like they're appreciating it more. Yeah, I think you said the important word there, man, fun to have fun and have a passion for what you do. I mean, it's true. It's probably harder than ever to have a music career and have that be the only thing you can do. Now, you can. You can do music and have that be part of your career. And and then hopefully if you could find ways to do other music related things to then all equate into a career, then then you've done it, <laughs> you know, but you have to have if it's not fun, if you're not passionate about it, there's no point in it. Sure. That, you know that. And and I think that's where good music and good songs come from. If you you love what you're doing yeah and i got to give a nod here to, to producer jeremy sh griffith hadn't heard of him before uh again he's produced uh, norma jean anthony green and uh has a, a pretty impressive discography but uh, the production on this song sounds amazing I, again i was impressed i hadn't uh, heard anything from the band in a while and you mentioned this track i listened to it's like wow it sounds full it sounds fat it's a it's a great production you know what else is a great production what is that chris i have no idea <laughs> well <laughs> that'd be really cocky but i was gonna say our podcast <laughs> <laughs> well, I, once again, if someone's listening this far to the episode, they probably think that our podcast is a is a great production. I would hope so. I would hope so. And if you do happen to think that, 
Chris and I would both really appreciate it if you'd go to wherever you listen to podcasts, be that Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever, and leave us a five-star review because it helps other people find the show. That's right. And uh, if you'd like to join our VIP program, it's called Supporting Cast. You could go to ChrisDemakes.com. You get all kinds of good stuff. You get episodes of The After Party. You can be a contestant on our music trivia show, Defeat Demakes, and all kinds of other fun stuff. Again, go to ChrisDemakes.com to sign up for our Supporting Cast. We really appreciate it. And if you haven't already, give me a follow on Instagram at LessThanChrisD. I'd love to have that follow. I want to thank this week's guest, Reese Roper, for sitting in with us. And we'll see you next week. Hey, everybody. This is Chris Demakes, a podcast producer, Chris Fafalius here. I think you like this podcast, so I'd like you to do something. I'd like you to subscribe to a podcast called A Band Called Punchline. Don't know the band Punchline? Well, it's my band, and we've been a band for 25 years. The podcast is a documentary-style look into our story, and it doesn't even matter whether you've heard us before. I promise, the story is that good and that weird. It starts out as a few friends playing music in a garage, but where it goes is wild, I promise. It's like the most relatable behind the music of all time because we never actually had a hit song, yet. But the things we experienced along the way makes this podcast like Forrest Gump meets Almost Famous. So yeah, it would mean the world to me if you searched for a band called Punchline wherever you get your podcasts. And let us take you on a crazy ride back through time leading right into today, our 25th year of being a band. Hey, maybe you even have a new favorite band by the time it's all done. A band called Punchline is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Just subscribe to it, goddammit. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, hey, friends. My name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Again.